Hi, this is Burton Seabell of Fear Factory, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. This is Henry Rollins, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. Consider yourself lucky. Hey, this is Dave Mansueto from Boss Jock Studio, the podcasting app, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. You are listening to a presentation of the Cast Iron Ring Network. For more great content like this, head to Cast Iron Ring. Com, your number one source for the best music podcasts on the net. All right, hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Signal to Noise podcast. I think this is four weeks in a row for me, and I'm super excited about tonight's show. So, um, we got a lot of talk about in this show, so... Eh, I'm not going to do too much of my normal banter, um, but I do have a couple things to cover, so let's cover them. All right, so um, my favorite guitar shop locally here in Pittsburgh Guitars, they are having a Martin guitar um, night, Martin experience. It is going to be Wednesday, June 26th at 7 p.m., so if you're in the local area, you want to attend, please uh, give them a call. Um, go to pittsburghguitars.com. You can get all the contact information. They do ask that you register in advance since it is a very, very small uh, shop, but it's a great shop. You won't be disappointed at all. Um, and then let's see here. So the other thing is you guys have got to check out what's been going on on the Cast Iron Ring. So castironring.com, you heard it at the top of the show. Um, <clears throat> Focus on Metal has had some great, great episodes on lately. Uh, the one that I just finished with um, Richie and Scott was focused on the fan, and they are talking about fan clubs and different things that the bands do for their fans. Great discussion. Absolutely love that. I wish I could have been a part of that one. Um, John's other podcast, John from Iron City Rocks, he has been doing a show, um, Heavy Metal Book Club. So if you're into... Um, well, if you're into into reading, which heck, if you're you know checking out these shows and reading the blogs, probably you're into reading. Um, but basically, they're focused around books around like music artists, that sort of stuff. And I actually did one of the interviews for him. Um, I got to enter uh, interview Ferris, who wrote the book, the thirty three and a third book, Slayers Reign in Blood. It was a focus on that uh, album. And if you haven't read the book, you need to. Even if you're not a Slayer fan, you need to read the book really puts a lot of things into perspective for that era of metal. Um, so that's all we're going to do for you know my news section of the show today. I want to keep it short and sweet because I got a really good interview. Um, and so let's get on to it. <clears throat> okay, so um, on episode 14, I talked about an app called Boss Jock Studio. And I was using it in conjunction with the iRig mic and just kind of checking things out. What Boss Jock lets you do is podcast without a PC, uh, live, essentially, from your iOS device. So I did my podcast from the iPad, didn't have to hook up to a PC at all, did everything right there on the iPad, and it was pretty amazing. And I had even mentioned on episode 14, man, i got to get um, one of the creators here on the show somehow. And so I did. Um, tonight we're going to talk to Dan, or um, not Dan, I mean Dave Manusueto. Uh So we're going to talk to Dave, and Dave was just a lot of fun. Um, he's, a, he's a fellow aficionado of the iOS and all things like Apple kind of geeky things. So you'll hear his geek out on a couple things here through the interview. Um, and also stay tuned because um, if you're interested in this app, Boss Jock, um, I will have an opportunity for you to win a free copy of it. So we're going to work that out here in upcoming shows. 
Uh, look for something soon on the blog, signaltonoise.fm, and as always, my Twitter feed, um, you know, SGNL, the number two, and Z for my Twitter. And without further ado, let's talk to Dave. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here today with Dave Mansueto, um, co-creator of the app Boss Jock, and also a co-founder of one of the podcasting greats, in my opinion, uh, Lipson. So Dave, how are you doing today? Aaron, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Pittsburgh. Oh, thanks for being on the show, Dave. I'm, I'm really excited. So you told me um, a, a quick little bit here just before we got started. So well, let's not, let's just kind of kick off with that. You're mm-hmm. actually on your iPad right now using the Apogee mic, right? Yep. How, how's it sound? I think it sounds great. All right. The listeners will be the, you know, the final uh, judge and jury on that. But yeah, I think it's a pretty good setup. I'm I'm really impressed. So was it was it pretty easy to connect? Is it? I don't know if you've used the Apogee Jam. That's what I have for my guitar. I would love to have a jam. I haven't justified it for myself yet. I, I have one of the uh, you know ones that connect to the headphone jack. Yeah. We all we all know the story with that. But uh, but yeah. I mean, I love. I think the Apogee mic's really nice. The size is awesome, and the fact that you can use it both with your iPad or your iPhone it makes it you know one of the few mics, condenser type mics that do that. The blue uh, Spark Digital being the other one. Man, that's solid. That's absolutely yeah. solid. That's pretty it, cool. It's cute. It's a nice little mic. I love it. So, so how big is it? Because I haven't seen one uh, up uh, up close yet. It's pretty small. It, you know, lengthwise, it's smaller than the iPhone. It looks like a, you know, it, it's designed to sort of look like one of those larger, uh, big diaphragm condenser microphones. But, yeah. you know, when you see it in real life, it's a teeny little thing. Oh, no kidding. So, so it packs nicely in a, in a small bag. That's yep. cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think, you know, they make great stuff. And so far, yeah, it's been pretty psyched about it. I do, I know it's going to be, you know, the Apogee offering and the Blue offerings. I think, you know, they have a good little rivalry going on here. I think they're both awesome choices for iOS audio. But, you know, I think the big thing, you know, when you're dealing with the iPad, use the camera connector kit. You get all those options with USB audio devices. Yep. But iPhone users, iPad touch, or iPod touch users, you know, they're limited. So it's really cool when devices do work for the, the iPhone because oftentimes I think it makes sense size-wise. Oh, yeah. And I tell you, I am so with you on the Blue and Apogee thing. I use both those products. I'm actually using the Blue Yeti right now. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love it. Like, I, I think Blue just makes a great, great sounding product. There's so many awesome, cool, great, nicely priced items now. We're absolutely spoiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. amazing. Um, I don't know, you know, what your generation might be, but I know I started recording on four track cassette. Absolutely. And you know, like cheap Radio Shack microphones were maybe thirty bucks back in 1986. So yep, you can imagine, yep. you know. And just like it's amazing how far we've come that now I have a full recording studio, more power than what I had on cassette on my iPad. Yeah, it, it's totally awesome. And it's, you know, at 40 bucks bought you the Radio Shack mic, then now it buys you that uh, Audio Technica ATR2100, which yeah. is like an unbelievable deal. It sounds incredible. You know, it, maybe not as, as, you can't nail, nail hammer and nails with it like you can a Shure SM57, but yeah. it's freaking incredible. And, you know, not to mention the USB connection. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Can't uh, it's amazing. I grew up with the uh, Yamaha MT120S, so I was a Yamaha four-track guy. I don't gotcha. know if you're a Tascam guy or, or not. But. Nice, yeah, I, I had a Fostex. I had a Fostex X28H. Love oh, that, that thing. That's a classy machine right there. It was. It was nice, man. So, hey, so let's start by talking about Libsyn. So um, I actually discovered you through a friend at work 
who uh, told me about the app. And then when I went back, I found out that you'd started Libsyn. And Libsyn's a company I've been aware of since I discovered podcasting. So how did Libsyn come about? How how did you get involved with that? I had some buddies from college that we had previously built a Pittsburgh events calendar. Um, You know, it was an automated system that let bands upload MP3s and had an events calendar. And those guys had went off to join proper companies. And I was in Pittsburgh doing a, a talk show at the Lava Lounge on the south side for public access and, it, and that had sort of fallen through nobody watches public access at least in Pittsburgh maybe is that <laughs> fair to say occasionally um, but, <laughs> but um anyway just hearing about podcasting on Slashdot uh you know was, was exciting because it was all the cliches the lowering of the barrier of entry the you know the dem- d- democratizing media all of these fantastic things and but at the time it was too difficult and I listened to like oh, yeah. Adam Adam Curry's daily source code every day and, uh, you know, trying to figure out the easiest because I'm lazy and impatient. <laughs> so trying to find the quickest method to, to get going. And I called on my, my good friends that we'd worked on stuff before. And uh, they had a company. And we, I sort of jumped on board. And together we sort of came up with the, with the concept of Libsyn. And, you know, it was sort of built around initially I was sort of defining the, the things, the, the specs of it. And they were providing the technology. Um, they were doing all the work. <laughs> And I was just trying to keep my ears to the ground as far as <laughs> what was, uh, you know, what yeah. people would actually pay for. So that's how Libsyn started. At the time, CDNs, you couldn't afford uh, Limelight. You couldn't afford Akamai. So it was just too expensive and shows were getting shut down right and left. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we felt the urgency and we saw the space for it. And it was kind of a gamble to see if, you know, bandwidth really cost as much as it supposedly did at the time, you know. Somewhere in between, but well, what I find interesting is I had no idea that Libsyn was you know kind of based in Pittsburgh here through you, and every podcast I started listening to back in I guess two thousand five is when I came on board. Every single podcast I listened to was hosted through Libsyn, like every one of them. You it know? was the, I mean it was the only choice at five dollars back in the day. We we kind of you know maybe set the price too low, but. It, you know, it was a stab in the dark. We had no clue what it was going to cost. We just sort of ventured to guess that, uh, you know, people would pay five bucks because, you know, I don't know. Th- then it was still, it felt like the early days, but services still tended to be free, I think, online. So, you know, and we didn't want to sort of just be a managed host. But yeah, we just sort of threw out a number. It was five and the price was right. There was nothing else out there at the time. So we were lucky in that regard. And it was, you know, we had growing pains because we were building uh, sort of a homemade content distribution network. It was a, it was a CDN built from uh, very inexpensive machines at bottom dollar prices wow. on very you know questionable uh, hosting platforms, just all connected together through through the coding that those guys did. So you know later on we matured, we moved it onto uh, onto proper CDNs, yeah. And things. But that was before the days of, of Amazon Web Services and, and stuff like that. So S3 didn't exist. EC2 didn't exist. So there were, the, there were no cloud services to build a web service on. Oh, see, but, that, that's phenomenal to me, though, because, I mean, you guys really, you lowered the barrier to entry, right? So you made it easy for people to podcast. And just doing what you were doing, just kind of, you know, string, string along those machines, that's the very spirit of podcasting to me. Like, podcasting to me is very much legalized pirate radio. Absolutely. And it feels like it. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, keep going. 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm with you. That was, the, that's the spirit. You know, it feels like pirate radio, and and that's great. And and you know that that was the spirit uh, amongst the four of us when we were starting the company. It was just, you know, we didn't know if we could get away with it. You know, there was concerns about all sorts of things about you know copyright uh, infringement. At out of nowhere, you start getting letters from ASCAP and BMI and stuff yep, like that. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. It's it's amazing how ASCAP and BMI have kept on top of the technology. I've I've been pretty impressed with with, with companies that are so so rooted in the old days of you know taking a quill to parchment and etching out your song. They've really I, I can hand it to, hand it to that organization for keeping up with technology and making sure they're looking out for their artists. Like, like you know, I, I I commend them for that. It's it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm. I'm not, you know, I don't know how I feel about <laughs> about those companies so much, <laughs> any just from dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to tell. I'm, I, I honestly, at the end of the day, you know, my heart's with with artists and content creators. Yeah. So you know, I, I always sort of default in that direction. Ha- however, it is an interesting business, you know, protecting IP. And that's oh my goodness, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So, how did the idea of Boss Jock Studio come about then? It was sort of just based, well, we all got fired, all of us, all the founders of Libsyn. We've sold the company. Yeah. And here's a little advice. When you, I didn't quite grok, grok this when we sold the company, but when you sell your company, you sell your company. <laughs> <laughs> and the moment they can get rid of you, uh, they get rid of you, unless you're great. And we, we're okay. We, we were hacks, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, I thought we did some really great stuff. Oh, Absolutely. We were kind of moved out of that company. So, you know, I, I was sort of looking for th- things to do and figuring out what the next thing for me would be. Um, and a lot of the other guys were. Uh, one of the programmers that, that was one of the guys that left around the time that we did, who was the one that designed all the the newer HTML5 engine stuff. Like, I don't know if you've ever listened to Martin Marin, but his page. But he was a great HTML5 programmer. But he was so sick of it. He was so sick of web programming. And he was so glad to be out of it. His name's Ed Philowan. He's an amazing programmer, and he started building an audio engine and an application. And, you know, I would run into him from time to time, and it was kind of thing that he showed me what he was working on, and, of course, I got greedy, and I, you know, wanted to see what, what could be done, and then maybe we could create a product based on his engine that was specifically for the podcasters. You know, and design-wise, it was the same setup that, um, that I used back in 2004, uh, which would be, you know, you need a mic that's running through a compressor, so it's slightly processed. Mm-hmm. You load up carts, and you, you hit record, and the thing is all captured. So previously, you know, uh, you use QuickTime movies, you use GarageBand for its built for its uh, for its mic compressor and limiter, and you can use something like WireTap to pick up your computer's audio. So we were just trying to emulate that same thing and take advantage of, you know, the benefits of, of iOS and, and streamlining it into one app and one interface, which. Something I hadn't quite seen done yet on, uh, I, I mean, I know there's some apps out there. I just, I didn't find the one for me on, on the PC or Mac platform. And also working on Libsyn, we were on the other side of things. We were so focused on, on publishing that we never got to work on content creation tools. Yeah. So basically, you know, it was, I'd worked with Ed before very closely and his engine was incredible. And the big test was to see if you could, if you could record and listen to yourself through headphones and if the delay didn't drive you crazy then i thought okay yes we can we can make this product and that was sort of the the baseline thing to see how quickly you could process a mic signal and get it back to the headphones uh, along with the other audio mixing in real time without it messing with your brain because of that latency and in ios um and specifically boss jock we can get as fast as it's about 
prior to processing. Three milliseconds, I think, is what we're using. Wow, that's good. So it's I don't even know. If, I, I think it gr- grows in latency with with the processing. However, it sounds it works for my brain, and and I get easily distracted. You know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm I tend to I'm impatient and clumsy, and and easily uh, distracted. So that that's I figured I, I was a good baseline. So I thought you know, but people still don't like to hear the voices all the time. Depends <laughs> on the, you're a musician. You're probably used to hearing your voice all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I tell you though, like um, this app just it blew me away from from the get go. Like I, I told you, a friend at work turned me onto it, and I'm like, oh, let me check this out because you know I'd mentioned that I podcast. Like, oh, you need to check out this application. And I downloaded. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, I totally don't get this. And I had a lot of stuff going on. So <clears throat> finally, about a month ago, I finally sat down, grabbed my Apogee Jam, grabbed the guitar, and um, especially because I saw that you guys now have the Audio Bus um, yeah. interface phenomenal um add to to this app um but so i was i recorded my own tags right in was able to edit the cards down able to import some sounds and then um after following your blog i decided to give the um the irig mic a shot and episode 14 came together like in the exact same amount of time it took to record i mean typically when i do my show i'm recording right now we're using uh skype and audio hijack pro Right. Then I take that file, I use Levelator to you know balance everything out. Mm-hmm. Then I put everything into Logic, I record my part. So it's very much like pieces. Like nothing is done in one like complete work. Like it's very much you know putting puzzle pieces together. And this actually allows me to, to do a show. Like, like, like a radio show would have been like, I have to be on, you've got to be thinking, you've got to be spontaneous. And it was a lot of fun. Like that's I think that was the most thing is like it really made the podcasting experience fun. Like not that I don't enjoy this, but I mean there's definitely a labor of love going on behind the scenes. And your app makes it so easy to just sit down with a mic, load up your content, and roll, and you are on. It's great. I also, you know, it's I always feel like stuff piles up. post production stuff can pile up pretty quickly and then Agreed. Stuff, you get you get, you know, you get post production constipation and stuff stops coming out, you know. And it's it's nice to just you did you ever do college radio? That's that's the spirit of it, I think. I, I never did. I always wanted to. So many of my buddies did, but now I never got into it. It's it, and you get. I, I think it's you know when podcasting, oftentimes there, there is the rush to get to the to the production quality and of uh, you know streamlined radio or something. But you know. Uh, First things first, I think being a little bit more forgiving about the, the medium. I think there's a lot more wiggle room in this medium that an audience would would work with that would tolerate, you know. Oh, yeah. And in fact, and in fact, they get sort of burnt out on uh, on slick production. And so I think there is a lot of room to sort of loosen things up. And you know, that's why, yeah, our app, no editing currently. You know, you can export the audio out. You can put it into a you know, multi-track DAW and do great stuff. But you know. There's something to be said with on-the-fly stuff and just sort of being like, all right, we're done. It's in the can. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I, absolutely. I love it. Like, And, <clears throat> and you know, like, because I sent you the email about the um, the editing. Like, that's, that's the only shortcoming I see. But, I mean, really, you know, being a musician, if you can't do it live, you can't do it. You know, yeah. so so take some time, practice it, and just do a show. Yeah, I, I think that's it's the fun, having fun, trying to find ways to have with it and to keep inspired you know there's so so many times there's that 
barrier of entry of, of production, I think, gets in the way. It's nice to get it out of the way. Oh, nice yeah. To keep it, nice to keep KISS principle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, what I'm excited about is, um, like, I have, you should see my studio, Dave. Like, I have piles of gear all over the place, like effects pedals, I've got guitars, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, man, I should really do a show on these. And again, like, I think about everything i got to set up. So I need to set up a mic, I need to do this, I need to record it in, then I need to edit it down, then I need to put it in. And with this app, like, I, I can just about guarantee... 99% guarantee, I'll, I'll state right now, that um, I'm going to be able to do more gear demos in the next few months because I'm going to put the iRig mic on my iPad, sit down, record a couple of snippets in, and then go back to the show, trigger the sounds. I'll be able to actually do everything I want to do and do it very live and spontaneously. I'm looking forward to those those gear reviews. I enjoyed, I read, I liked reading your stuff about the guitar, the What's it called? The iStrat? Oh, the iOS Strat. Yeah, the Fender did with Apple. And you got that new ger- the germ pedal show up yet? No, no. What's it called? I, it's, a super, uh, it's called the germ, right? Yeah, it's called the germ. It's called the germ, yeah. That's cool stuff. Yeah, mine hasn't shown up yet. I was actually just um, contacting him the other day, contacting Caleb, because, ah, man, I can't wait to try that pedal out. Well, that, that's probably going to be the first piece of gear that I demo with this, actually. Um, that's what I like. I'm waiting for that pedal. I'm like, oh, I've got Boss Jock. I'll be able to do such a quick setup now. I can throw the mic on my amp so easy. It's gonna be great. That's exciting stuff. And, and the, I mean, really, it's well, the mics are awesome. But what, what I, you know, I was out at uh, Blog World or New Media Expo, and you know, I, I, we had the fancy mic out. We had the Apogee out. But yeah. I try to tell people that you know the mic built into the iPhone sounds pretty dang good and it's like it, it will get the job done there are people in public radio that are already you know in a pinch using the iPhone mic and it works and it, it's more about sort of learning how to work it you know and you can you can totally work the microphone it gets a little proximity effect and it's you know if you're not you don't want to pop it but you can just headphones and and the iPhone and the iPhone's built-in microphone is pretty darn good it's not as good on the iPad uh, but even there, you know, it's like it's listenable. It's so much more listenable than what other people have had to deal with in the past on, you know, with with more expensive equipment. Oh, I completely agree. And I'm so glad to hear you say that about the iPhone mic. Because, I mean, I've really got to hand it to Apple for something that's nothing more than a pinhole in that um, in, in the casing. They've really done some nice work with, with the microphones on there and the... the I don't know if it's like an electric condenser. Like I, I really haven't gotten that geeky about the the iPhone, but man, you're right. Like the the built-in mic sounds really really solid. Yeah, it totally works. And there's even some some apps like uh, the Fire Field Recorder application disables. There's they're doing some processing, and I don't know what they're doing. Some sort of voodoo, but it's part of it seems to definitely be. Uh, you know, they got a high pass filter going on that cuts off the, the potential for rumble. Oh, but nice. also. Because there's an extra microphone near the, uh, at least on my 4S, there's a little extra mic near the headphone jack. I believe they're doing some noise cancellation. I'm not sure if that's what's included, but um, but anyway, on the FIRE, you can actually disable that uh, that processing. It gives you a little bit of a fuller sound. So for capturing instruments and that sort of thing, mics even got more you know low end than it than it leads you to believe because of the processing now in boss shock i think it's i think the processing for the most part does good things that's uh but we are going to look into potentially bypassing that processing um it's interesting i mean yeah forget it it's ridiculous we're totally <laughs> living in the future 
doesn't make any sense. There's no excuses anymore. I agree. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, you know, you said you, you, you know, saw my my episode where I did it on the boss jock. You know, I started writing that writing that post. I'm like, I never thought I'd see the day where I could podcast without a computer. Well, these are better. I mean, it's a better setup. There's no fan noise. Yeah. There's, you know, you're not plugged into a wall, so there's less like you know, 60 cycle hum or whatever. Yep. You know, and and it's, you know, let's talk. I mean, the power. Forget it. You know, I was in 2004. I had an I I book with a 600 gigahertz G3. You know, we're way past that. We're so we're leaps and bounds. You know, higher power than that. It's now. You know, now that Apple's getting serious about things like intra-app audio. Yeah. Thanks to things like man, audio bus guys, unbelievable. Like that. You know, that's amazing stuff. I think that it, it's getting to be uh, that iOS is a better recording platform than, than the PC for many reasons. Yep. Just, you know, it, it's streamlined. It does one thing very well. It's no noise, less power, and you can do it whenever you want to. It's all the things that musicians and artists love, you know? And that's exactly it. I mean, Audiobus, they, they, they literally just changed the entire game. You know, once I heard about the audio bus support coming for um, my favorite AMP emulator on the iPad or iOS is AmpKit. Um, it's Agile Partners and PV AmpKit. Yeah. And I could never get that sound into GarageBand, so I'd, I'd play some stuff in AmpKit and then I go over to GarageBand and record. Now, audio bus lets me take it straight in. It's clean. I'm using my Apogee Jam, so I can use any guitar that I have. It's a clean, digitally processed sound. I don't have to worry about any other noise or anything like that coming in. And I just, I cannot believe the sounds I can now make, you know, so easily in something that is, you know, no bigger than the um, notepads I wrote on in high school. It's unbelievable. And, and I mean, I stole, everyone I know stole software back in the day. I think that this is the model. I mean, it, it was impossible. I worked in a music studio in high school and I was interned. And yeah. That studio bought the Waves plugin mastering suite, which cost I don't know what three thousand dollars. It was or something ridiculous. Like that. Yeah, ridiculous when it came out. Unbelievable, and it was like that's what made stuff sound like you know real professional yeah. stuff. And but that barrier of entry was too high. And in college, everyone I know that was producing stuff was was stealing the software. Oh yeah, and it's like they you had to build business models around that. But you know, now I think. You know, it's different. The price is getting to be where it needs to be. And hopefully, I think it's shaking out. You know, there's this race to the bottom thing. And for being a developer, you know, obviously I'm sensitive to trying to make money in order to keep things going, keep the lights on. But I feel like that there's so much opportunity and things are settling out so nicely for developers and for musicians that both sides should feel pretty good about making a purchase you know because it's like you're literally vote and the kickstarter thing you know I, we, I was just listening to you talk about that it's like people vote yeah. with your dollars it's so exciting there's so many great stuff out there you're using agile i love jam up you know, i haven't tried that one yet i love i love jam up you know amplitude it's fantastic these are all you know 30 bucks and you can get the three competing and they're competing oh you know, yeah it's, it's an awesome fight you know <laughs> they're competing for your 10 bucks and it's man Good, good times. Well, and that's just it. Like, you can get a decent app for like 10 to 20 bucks. And the one thing that drives me nuts is like a lot of my friends um, at work are all Android users. And of course, like Android, their big thing was like, let's make everything free or super cheap. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I, I had an Android phone before I had an iPhone. And I would buy a couple things here and there. But everything on Android always made me feel, in the back of my mind, is this just some kid in his parents' basement? Is there going to be support for this? What's going on? But the App Store, I don't mind spending 10 bucks, 20 bucks on that because I know, you know, even if it's just one guy, it's professionally presented. Apple has a set of standards, you know, so I, I feel safe buying the app, the application. Um, you know, it, they've got a great curation system going on. I mean, you know, there's always room for improvement in the curation process in the Apple Store. But, I mean, yeah. they're doing a nice job keeping good apps coming through and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I don't mind dropping 20 30 bucks for an app if it's going to do what I need. And so far, I haven't come across one that hasn't where I've spent that kind of money. Yeah. And it's still – I think over time those prices are going to go up a little bit. And I also think it's going to equalize with the Android platform. It's, it's just interesting now. I mean, you know, the cliche is that ultimately Google wants you to – get stuff for free so that they can sell ads against you oh, yeah. one way or another. And that certainly affects the culture of their app store and the decisions that they make. But um, but I feel like, you know, that's that's equalizing and the quality is going to rise on the side of, of Android as well. I think they deal with maybe a little bit with more piracy issues. But back to that stealing software remark I made earlier, which is questionable. <laughs> um, it was, it was so, you work so hard trying to get that cracked version. Of, oh, yeah. And it's like you're you're just trying to get work done, you know? And it's like so the moment you can you can afford to pace and I, I think you do. I think most people did. Well and that's just it. Like I I'll, I'll admit, like I use crack software, but I did not use it if I didn't like it. Like yeah. I, I had a buddy of mine that could get me anything I wanted cracked and he's like, I'll get you this. I'm like, No. I said, Let me you know, I'll try one. If I like it, I'll go buy it. He's like, You're yeah. nuts. I'm like if we don't buy this stuff, it's not going to be around to, to enjoy later. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, look at SoundForge. Like, SoundForge was one of the companies that I knew people were stealing left and right, always right. getting crack copies. And they ended up being bought up by Sony. And Sony hasn't done the best with it. I mean, at least it's still around. But, I mean, SoundForge was like the audio editing platform when I started, you know, doing digital audio. And I, I still, like, I don't have anything close to that really on the Mac. I, there are a couple things that are decent, but... Um, there's still nothing that gave me that SoundForge experience. Like, even the new SoundForge. Like, SoundForge 5 <laughs> was just phenomenal, you know? It was, well, also, it was the, you know, back to, you, you, you could just get every every plugin you needed. You know, yep. all the Waves plugins were there, and it's like, everything was there. It was, because I, I sort of jumped from Sound Designer 2 on running on some really old Macs in the late 90s yep. to out of nowhere, you know, that's when Apple was really struggling. And out of nowhere, my you know friends in the dormitory running the SoundForge with you know all these great plugins and stuff. You know, yeah, that was that. You know, it was there was a hybrid model there. I think that the stealing part of it was was a part of the thing. It's almost like this: the way that you see companies like Reaper sort of you know practically yeah. giving the software away because you know what you really I think the developers really want people just to use their products. That's how we feel. We just want people to use the thing. You really, as long as you're keeping the thing alive, as long as it's paying the bills, that sort of thing. But that's really secondary to what drives the software creators, the really good ones, I think. You know, they, they want to know that they made a tool that works. So if you could give it to everybody, you could. But, you know, so that's why I think maybe we're looking at a, a, night, a much more healthy model where the, the, the cost of software is much less expensive. However, people can now afford it and therefore buy it. And even still, you know, the, the freemium model 
is a great thing because people should be able to test out these tools and make sure it's the right fit. You know, like that's, you know, that feels much more like old school making purchases when you can know that something works for you and you're not going to be left, you know, feeling terrible because you just dropped your your hundred bucks, your only hundred bucks on a thing that's not going to do what you need it to do. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Like I before before I bought um, Amp Kit. Man, I read every review, talked to people. I'm like, let's check this out. And then I got it. I tried it at first. I'm like, ah, I didn't like it that much. So I didn't touch it. And I was using the AmpliTube app. And then I talked to a buddy who was using um, PV's Revolver. And, uh, you know, on the, as a plug-in through, like, Logic and stuff. I'm like, you know what? Let me go give that amp kit um, a try again. So I sat down. I really dug into it. And I started realizing that, boy, it's, it is a really advanced amplifier emulator like I, I was so impressed with, with what they do and it's 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 kind of like taking that that pv commitment to quality and i just didn't quite get it at first and i didn't make the right tweaks and then once i sat down and really dug in i'm like holy cow is this thing great do you feel yourself missing a little bit of dirt yeah i wasn't getting the the fuzz i wanted at first and then i um i ended up buying the 5150 head actually actually now it's the 6505 but the 6505 is what the 5150 was and that's it's like the Van Halen head. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that sound. <laughs> love that sound. It's just it's just got such a fat bottom end and a crisp tight distortion. You know? How old are you? Can I ask? I, you sure can. And I am forty one. Forty one. So you remember when like the Line Six things first came out? Oh, you know, geez, that, that yeah. First, <laughs> that first, you know, because we grew. I mean, there was that long, uh, cold winter of solid state amps. Yep. You know, before all the tubes came back and started to become affordable. Well, you know what's funny about that? Like, I'm a bass player, so solid state was kind of my thing. I never understood tubes until probably the last five years. Uh, I never understood why people cared, and then I started experimenting with tubes going, wow, what have I been doing? Right. Like, these are great. Especially, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, little 6-watt VHTs that are out there. What yeah. they can do with 6 watts and tubes today just blow my mind. Like 6 watts can be loud. Yeah. Yeah, it really cranks. <laughs> Somebody here is laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, but so, and you're in the on the metal thing. You can't get, you couldn't get that that Billy Idol bass sound right with the with the uh, solid state though. That you know, smooth. <laughs> I, I I could I could pull it out. I, I had a um, I have a Fender BXR dual bass. Uh, I think it was the BXR dual bass 400. And let me tell you, man, like Fender never gets the credit for their bass amps that they should. They, they really don't. I've, I've been a Fender guy, like, literally died in the wool. Like, that was my first ever bass my parents bought me, and then I ended up getting Fender amps. That's that's all I play. Like, both my kids, um, I've already bought them Fender guitars for when they get older. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I just, I love those. But, I mean, you know, back to that Line 6 thing, I remember talking to a guy who was interning in a studio down the north side, and I can't remember what the name of the studio was. Um, but I remember when they first got the Pro Tools... Uh, plugins, and they were first talking about that Line Six amp farm. Yeah, you know, and I remember being so against it. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, you're you can't get a real amp sound. What are you guys? Are you crazy? <laughs> you know. And then you get the pods and stuff. I'm like, huh? Guess I was the one who was crazy. They, these sound great, you know. And that was the first generation. I mean, I remember hearing like Weezer went on tour, and, and they secretly just used pods the whole time. Yep, there, there's a few <laughs> bands that do that now. It there's makes a- perfect sense. I mean. Lot more control over, you know. I would assume in, in not so great. It makes you know. It's just like grinding anything direct. Oh yeah, yeah. You dial in your sound perfectly every night. 
But that had to be like generation one of emulation. So now with, you know, what amp amplitude has and what, we must be using something that's, you know, 10 times the power, you know, than what, what people were using when that first came out. Well, so, then it got the job done. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you figure. So like the first time I heard about this was probably 90, let's call it 96. Right. No, no, no. You know what? 98 or 99. 98 or 99, I would have heard about Amp Farm. So my top processor at that point was like a Pentium 3 or 4 maybe. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you think, think about what that is to what we've got today and just how much more memory and how much more you know RAM and everything that everybody can do, uh, it, it's, it's a miracle that they were able to pull off what they did with what they had. Yeah. Yeah. And now... And now it's just sky's the limit. Oh yeah, what's, really what's missing? What do you think's missing? Is there anything that's missing? You know, uh, you, you know what? Absolutely, because because I, I was thinking about this because I sit down with with the PV amp kit and like I said, I love it. I, the, my iPad is one of my favorite composition tools right now because I can get all kinds of great sounds. But there is still something about the way that a speaker reacts with the air. Yeah, you know, and just there, there, the, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I can't. It's got to be put an it into X factor. Words. You know, it's it's the it's the it's going to be totally it's it's a chaos thing, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's not going to act the same every time. Yeah. And every little butterfly effect thing. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's that spontaneity that, that creates the magic and the sound. That's well, that's like on my last episode, Caleb and I were talking about that with the batteries. You know, when you're talking about guitar sound, the things that you do that are sometimes the quote unquote mistakes yeah. are the things that sound the best. Yeah, you know, because you're introducing just little nuances into things. Were you talking also heavy duty battery versus alkaline? Too? Oh yeah, yeah, the the old yeah, the, the old lead acid style, I guess. And the different transistors. And yeah, the, I, yeah. But you know what hasn't happened? There is yet to be a you know that whole you know we thought late '90s we thought we were going to get the uh, you know live music performing with somebody across the globe thing. Yeah, with no latency. That's still, that's still, is that ever, maybe that'll never happen. Uh, you know what, they're getting there. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Source Elements pro, uh, plugin. No. But I know Source Elements has worked pretty closely with Pro Tools, and they can just about do the streaming. I don't know if it's quite for a performance yet, for like a recordable performance, but I, I think, um, I, I know there are a few studios who are using that for like, if they had clients in Europe and they were in the States that they could actually mix live and the client could listen to it and with you know in just about real time. What's that called? Uh, source elements. Source elements. And they're sort of the first people that are making that people can actually use it. Yeah, they're the only one I'm aware of. And I mean at the time, let's see, I think the first time I heard about it was probably like let's call it two thousand eight or nine at this point. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they've had plenty of time to develop. But I mean they were only a couple hundred bucks back then. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're pretty reasonable for what they did, but I think at the time they only worked with Pro Tools, and that was the, that was the downside because I've I've never been a Pro Tools guy. I like Logic. I I never made it past GarageBand after <laughs> <laughs> after coming back from <laughs> that, that, that time from Sound Designer Two. And yeah, I can't, you know then things just got really complicated. A lot of features happened post Sound Designer Two, but uh, yeah, I, so think- I guess I stuck around with GarageBand forever because. I- had I started on a Mac, I would probably been in the same boat. But I started on PC. I was using SoundForge and Acid, 
and I needed to find a good DAW. So I was trying to use Sony's Vegas at the time, and that was decent, but it still wasn't what I wanted. And and it came down to like you know really the only choices were really Pro Tools or Logic because Cubase yeah. was out there it was okay but like the the Pro choices were you know Pro Tools or Logic and um, I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it and then somebody I think it was Guitar Center like had a huge sale on a Logic package that came with a couple of really cool instruments and then I think it was at the same time Apple said well we're buying Logic and no more PC support I'm like all right. I'll buy Logic. I'll commit to eventually switching to um, to Mac, and I haven't looked back. Mm. You know, that's that's probably ten years ago now. I got that easy, easy. It's been ten years since since I made that first jump, and I love it. Like, there's a lot of people that do not like the current version of Logic, and I think they're nuts. I I think it's one of the easiest ones I've used. It's very intuitive, great sound, easy to set up. I love it. Well, that seemed to always be the wrap with Logic, that it was it was the one that sort of was harder to wrap your head around, but then ultimately got more powerful if you were able to use it compared to, say, like Digital Performer or... Dude, amen like to that. I had a huge, thick book. I remember reading the first chapter five times going, what the hell are they talking about? See, I taught myself... I mean, I learned Final Cut because I thought, you know, I, I knew that you had to learn Final Cut because there were so many things that you, you just wanted to do that iMovie couldn't do. Yeah. Know? Like compositing and stuff like that. That just you were pushing the limits on iMovie. So, so I learned Final Cut Pro, and it's one of the few pieces of, you know, really pro stuff that that I went that deep on. I'm so happy to see that they totally dumped out the old Final Cut Pro and, and started over with a much faster, you know, more intuitive setup. I know that that's caused like. You know, people were so mad about Final Cut 10. Yeah, there were a lot of uproar. Yeah, but when I saw that base, and you know, when I heard people saying, "Oh God, it's iMovie Pro," I was like, "Yes, this is great." <laughs> you know, and it's like I don't. I feel like sometimes you get that pain. It's like Stockholm syndrome. It's like you you've been beaten down. You've been through the trenches. You learned this thing, and you you don't. And then you're mad when you know when something easier comes. In, yeah, you know, because it's like. I don't know. I don't know why it is, but I, I like that's why I like to hear. I've heard Logic's gotten a lot more intuitive, and maybe it's moved to one window and that sort of thing. My, I think you're doing the trick too. For a while, past year and a half, I was trying to live the iOS only dream. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I, my only Mac was an old 1.25 gigahertz G4 iMac that barely could get the job done, and I only used it syncing stuff back and forth off an iPad. So, you know, I tried to do just the iOS only thing, and then. You know, in a way, I felt like I've gone deeper on applications like multi-track DAW, uh, which, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. and, and what's nice is these apps are sort of adding features as I'm learning them. And that's that thing about iOS apps, you know, and you've said it too, that it's like these guys are constantly racing to sort of implement and make smart choices. Yeah. And, and if you get in right now, you're almost like, you know, it's like you're there at version one of Logic as yes. they added one feature and, you know, or when they added palettes to, to Photoshop or something. You know, you can sort of intuitively understand and learn your way through since we're sort of at square one for all this pro uh, content creation stuff on the iOS platform. Well, that's exactly it. Like, I was talking about the Blogsy app in one of my posts. And Blogsy, I remember when I got it and thinking like, okay, this is the best blogging app i found, but it's missing X. And within eight to nine months, that what it was missing was fixed. Yeah. You know, they're just constantly working at it. I'm like, this is great. It's awesome, and it's and it's you know, I like that we've left we got to leave a bunch of old stuff behind. You know, we get to start with sort of new, more streamlined processes. 
you know, in iOS, losing the file system, that sort of thing. It's Absolutely. Hey, so I did have a couple more questions about um, Boss Jock. Yeah. So first, I got to commend you guys on the support of the export opportunities and even the import, like the your um, your Dropbox integration, phenomenal. Like that's that's just been key. This made it so easy for me to produce a show and put stuff up that I need content wise. But then all the ways you can export the email, the FTP, SoundCloud, Dropbox, um, the audio copy, iTunes. So I used the FTP when I um, when I did episode fourteen. And the and maybe maybe this is just my lack of knowledge because I mean you know when you're saying about you know being lazy with this stuff, dude, I've got you beat there. Like I I didn't start podcasting until um, I found the Blueberry plugin. I'm like, oh, there's a plugin that does this RSS thing. Thank goodness. So yeah, I was yeah. all about that. But so when I FTP'd, I couldn't figure out how to FTP to a different directory. Like, could I just put the put my like directory chain in there where I want to put it? Yep. You just do the the slash thing. Okay. And in fact, there's a we have a video. We have a lot of tutorials and stuff on our on our page bossjockstudio.com, as well as on our YouTube channel. If you just Google uh, Boss Jock and look for the, we have one that shows posting to Libsyn, for example. And you know, Libsyn has this sort of folder architecture. So depending upon which folder you drop it in, it does different things. Okay. For example, you drop it in one folder, it just makes it available to their system. Drop it in another folder, it publishes it to all the sort of available destinations, including the RSS feed. Oh, very cool. Long story short, yeah, you can just put a slash on the front. And, and that's not totally, you know, that's one of those things we dropped in in version 1.0 and we haven't. It, it could sure use refinements, like, you know, be, be better directory stuff and, and Something simple like bookmarks would be really nice, but yeah, put a slash and you're good to go on that. Ah, that's cool, man. I'll, I'll have to try that one. And then um, I was just gonna ask. So you're you're using the Blueberry plugin? Are you use their hosting as well? I, you know what? I don't. So I I um I, I I also do work for the Iron City Rocks podcast. My buddy John runs that. We've known each other since high school, and um when when I was really starting to take interest in trying to do a nice blog and podcast I sat down and talked to him he's like hey I wrote all my own code but I go through GoDaddy and GoDaddy had a great WordPress hosting package so I'm like I'll start there and I'll try and figure out this podcasting thing maybe I can learn how to write the code well then um, and being in Pittsburgh I'm sure you're aware about the podcast Pittsburgh that goes on yeah I co-founded that oh, did you really? The first one with Justin Kanaki. No kidding. <laughs> so I, I finally got to go to five. That's the only one I've gotten to go to because schedules just haven't worked. But so I went to five, um, you know, sending all kinds of great, uh, you know, lectures and talks and that sort of stuff. And I'm in the lobby and I found this thing about Blueberry's PowerPress. I'm like, what's this? So I picked it up, took everything home, looked it up. I'm like, you are kidding me. My, my prayers are answered. And then I started podcasting. Were you a WordPress guy before? Yeah, yeah. I was actually using WordPress with Comic Press because I was doing my own little webcomic for a while. Horribly drawn, but I was having a good time with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great program. And they, and they, those guys ran, you know, sort of took where PodPress left off. That was the original. Uh, that was the, I'm going to roll up my window. <laughs> it's gonna, it gets real, getting real hot in here. The, the um, uh, PodPress was the original sort of WordPress or one of the original WordPress plugins. And then those guys, Todd Cochran and those guys, Angelo, have done wonderful things with that program. It's oh, good yeah. to see. And they, you know, they also, also, you know, you have to recognize that it, it really does put you in control of your content there. It really and, does. And that, and that's really, that's a very important thing. In fact, that's one of the, it's fun to watch um, 
the guys from the different companies debate now now that I can freely I no longer have a vested interest which guy wins yeah <laughs> but um but you know the, the what's great about podcasting and this is and this is blogging as well but podcasting is one of the few multimedia things that is is a truly decentralized consumption platform you know you can host it in a bunch of other places everything else has either been sort of closed up and buttoned up as far as video is concerned with YouTube and that sort of thing those are siloized services where one guy runs the show and it's really cool that podcasting continues to to sort of I mean it, it's growing and it's growing and it's getting more uh, people that that aren't cutting edge people that are normal people and they're con- consuming this great content and it's still nobody controls it and that's awesome yeah you know, that's why things like this patent there's this patent uh, these guys are trying to come after, come with a with a podcasting patent, which is totally unfounded. And the EFFs going to fight them, but yeah, Blueberry's power press plugin is, is a great thing. It's cool to see, and it's also it's good because you're in control. Nobody can shut you down. Which is yeah, oh yeah. Awesome. Well, what I really liked about it, and it's it's funny because I I never I I just kind of set everything up with defaults. So I kind of followed some instructions that John gave me and some other stuff that I read. So of course I did my feed burner feed just in case I ever changed anything. See, that's I've, if I would if I was your buddy out in the, at the coffee shop with you, I'd have said, "Don't do that." That's that's your that's is, is that what people subscribe to? Uh, no, actually, people can subscribe to it. Most of my um, subscribers are still through iTunes. That's the weak link because nobody knows that. You know, we saw Google Reader get shut down, right? Which is kind of awesome because a million other companies got to pick up the pieces. Yeah. But, you know, something like FeedBurner, that's an old service that's getting long in the tooth. And, and RSS is not necessarily, I don't think, in Google's best interest. So if you have people that are subscribing to that feeds.feedburner.com slash, uh, you know, your username, that's a potential dead end for people, you know? Didn't even think about that until we had this conversation. Huh. Well, that's something I need to look into then. Because then the other thing I did is a lot of Google's default settings took over. I'm like, how the heck do I change this stuff? So when I posted episode 14, I couldn't make it um, show up on iTunes. It was showing up on the FeedBurner page. It was showing up on my page. It was playable. I'm like, what the heck's going on? So I started tearing apart everything and turning off settings to the point where I ended up with like a feed that had nothing in it. Like there's nothing but content. And... Yeah, there are all these legacy things like feed flare and making it yeah. sort of presentable, strange stuff. And so I really had to sit down and dig in. So I sat down on the PowerPress site or the Blueberry site and I started reading everything on PowerPress. And I've like read everything over and over and over. I'm like, okay. And just one by one, I went through every little setting until I've now I've got a feed that I like. I'm like, wow, I can actually change stuff, control stuff. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you want you so at the end of the day, the most important part of it I think is to make sure your subscribers are subscribing to a feed that lives on a domain that you control so you know if it's on Libsyn you should they have a service you can map a domain to their feed so if if, if ever they were to shut down services or do something you didn't like you could redirect people to another page by just repointing where that domain goes same thing with uh, with the PowerPress plugin you know you want to own your own domain you want that's what you want people subscribing to if, uh, if they're subscribing to your feed burner, that puts Google in the pole position to uh, you know do whatever they want with your content, and including shut you off, shut off that host. So yeah, that's how I was. I since it's since I have for all the years of, of this platform being sort of complicated, podcasting being harder for people to start up than a YouTube 
channel, which is was still unfortunate. Yeah, I do. I do think one really nerdy thing that people need to do is make sure that whatever that RSS feed is, that it, it's living on a domain your .com. That's really important, I think. So YouTube. <laughs> That's a really good point. I'm going to have to go back and research this now. I know I had, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Boss Jock, for life me, it's escaped me now. Um, The secrets of Boss Jock are the compression, I think. The, uh, (laughs) did you mess with that at all? You know what? No, I haven't. Like, I, I, one of the things I really liked about it is it's so plug and play. Like, I, I, I plugged in, I talked in, I'm like, huh, sounds good. Let's just roll. Tried to set it up so it's pretty good out of the box. You don't, you know, for the most part, you don't have to touch anything, and yeah, it should work if it. you load up music. But the uh, the power user stuff is um, the if you notice the there's one fader, but it's it switches what it's controlling, whether it's the overall mix, the microphone, or the uh, or the cart volumes. Yeah. So, but the uh, if you were to, for example, lock the microphone and, and play with the the control and increase the gain, it's not actually increasing gain. What it's doing is it's it's increasing the drive on a compressor. So you're uh, you're actually lowering the threshold and doing the makeup gain on the compressor. So if if you know, for example, you and a friend are sitting there and your one friend is not as consistent or is shying away from the microphone, if you push the gain a little bit, that'll even out the difference between you and your friend. So you need to set the phone between you. But it's ultimately pushing and uh, increasing the amount of compression. Now the mix fader is that's limiting. So that's the overall. It, the, the chain works like this. Mike comes in, goes through a c- compressor. First goes through the low-cut filter if you use it, but then goes through the compressor. Yeah. It sums up with the carts, and then all of that goes out to a limiter. And the mix control um, is is what's driving the amount of li- limiting for the overall mix. So, you know, all of those things can s- slightly be adjusted. That's just the super nerdy power user secrets of, uh, of Boss Jock. That's but, killer. I will be trying that next. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Because- because I do, I still think the compression is the really the secret weapon to getting good recordings. I, I'm with you there. Just the right amount of compression. Yep. Sweeten, sweetening. All right. So, Dave, before we go, anything else you want to plug? You know, we're uh, we want to tell listeners about anything going on, anything else going on with Boss Jock right now. We got it. We're working on an update that's coming up soon. That's gonna, for example, it gives gain control to software mics like the uh, Samson Meteor and stuff Sweet. like that. Sweet. I love we're that ju- mic. <laughs> and we're all, you know, also it, it, it has a dual mono function so you can take stereo sources and potentially have two mics going up the middle. You know, little little things here and there, but overall we're on the lookout for what the, you know, the, the big big moves are that could really change things for people and, and really useful stuff. And we know, we know people uh love live streaming and audio buses help that and we know that uh, people want to find ways to incorporate remote guests and that's something we're thinking about hopefully that's in the future you know we'd love to we'd love to push the envelope on things and do you know do something new for people so we're on Twitter we'd love to hear your hopes and dreams and things that you hate you know and we love we love the critique it's, it's so it's so much fun to be developing for uh, a passionate user base podcasters always have been so oh yeah we just love the feedback please you know on the twitter hit us on facebook you know if you're posting content with boss jack let us know we, we, we like we like to reverberate and bubble that stuff to everybody you know it's just it's totally fun so big thanks big thanks for you having us on the show here Aaron, because this is like you know it's great it's great exciting stuff to be involved it still seems as exciting as ever as far as i'm concerned yeah, it, it's it's funny about it, with podcasting. It, it seems like the the excitement's never really died off because there's always something new happening. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's only going to get more interesting. Who knows? Good stuff. Twitter.com slash Boss app is our, is our Twitter handle. All right. So, and, boy, and then we got those videos up on BossJockStudio.com. You know what? That's what I was going to ask you about. I saw one with live streaming with a Boss Jock on um, using the iRig Mix. That yeah. that was it. That was it. That that was pretty cool. I gotta admit that that was pretty sweet when I saw that. Totally awesome. You still you still got to use a little bit of hard, hardware, you know. <laughs> that was before the the uh, audio bus allowed you to stream directly from Boss Jock to uh, another application. But yeah, that iRig mix thing's pretty cool. It, it's it's a good price and it's flexible. I used it both as a method to stream to Ustream, send audio to the uh, you know the, the input of a. Of iPhone with a camera, as well as it was a good way to mix in a Skype call. So I have something up there called Franken Skype, that is my uh, totally mobile Skype setup for iOS. I mean, it's kind of a monster because it requires two iOS devices, oh, wow. the iRig, the iRig mix, and uh, but what you get is you get the ability to mix in Skype. And what's cool about the iRig mix is you can power it off a battery source. Okay. Because it's got it's, it gets its power from a US, USB port, so you can be sitting in a park. And you can be doing a complete podcast, including a Skype guest as well. You know, totally battery powered. You know, the the old four tracks. Some of them came with with batteries. Oh yeah, yeah. So you could go to the park and bring your guitar. Sometimes, same same thing going there, and that was kind of cool. But if you want to see that crazy setup, that's the Fright Franken Skype setup, and it's a link on our site, BossJockStudio.com. I'm totally gonna check that out because like, I'm I'm thinking I'm like, how can I put this together? Like that's that's gonna be great. All right, so that was my interview with Dave. I cannot thank Dave enough for coming on the show. Um, I really, really appreciate it. It was a great talk. And I've already told him, I said, hey, you got any announcements or updates that you want to talk about to this app or any other new apps? You give me a call. You can come back on anytime. And heck, I'll let him co-host the show. We'll, we'll do a whole show together because, boy, he was a lot of fun. Um, so, Dave, can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Love the Boss Jock app. And as I talked about during the interview, uh, Boss Jock really does give me a whole new set of flexibility. So what I plan on doing with the Boss Jock app in the future is going to be doing um, a lot more gear demos and reviews. And I have a couple other things up my sleeve here that I'm going to try. Um, but, you know, I talked to Dave. You know, one of the things I said to Dave during the interview is if you look around the studio, I've got piles of gear. And I do. Tons of stuff that I've collected, that I've used. So it may not be up-to-date gear, but there's tons of fun things that you can do with some of this stuff. And kind of bringing in the noise portion of the signal-to-noise, why shouldn't I be doing some crazy gear demos to show you guys some very unconventional ways that I've used these effects over the years? Uh, so that's hopefully what I'm going to get to do. And again, thanks to this Boss Jock app. So, guys, thanks for listening. Um, as always, love having you. Check out signaltonoise.fm. Um, that's the best place to go. If you've been trying to email me through the site, um, I got a couple of emails recently and I was been having email troubles. So I have a couple of emails that are, oh heck, from January and from April that I need to respond to and do some major apologizing. So I apologize if anybody has been listening and trying to email me through the email on the site. Apparently I was having some issues with it. Um, but always hit up the site, and then that's got my Twitter feed. Twitter's a great way to get a hold of me as well. So thank you all for listening, and until next time, make some noise.